Hello, and welcome to the Craft Brewed Music Podcast, music interviews for serious listeners. You may have heard of our curated music discovery app. The podcast lets us dig deeper and get to know the creators of that music, as well as others that will broaden your horizons. I'm Brian Horner, founder and curator of Craft Brewed Music, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Aaron Stamen, a Craft Brewed Music artist. Fill up my glass I want more I run on these fumes Accelerators flow You say you wanna kill your thirst But the flask is cracked How you ever gonna quench it like that So I lick the plate we drop inside and everything true it comes alive it comes alive comes alive comes alive comes alive and love says go so we're going to be talking today about Get Behind the Wheel, the new album, the ninth studio album from Elin Jewell. American songwriter called her one of America's most intriguing, creative, and idiosyncratic voices. My favorite description, however, was from the Washington Post. If Nico Case, Madeline Peru, and Billie Holiday had a baby girl who grew up to front a rockabilly band, she'd probably sound a lot like Elin Jewell. Welcome, Elin. <laughs> Thank you. The thought crossed my mind uh, last week uh, that uh, I kind of wish that somebody would do me wrong so that I could get in my car, drive out in the desert and listen to this album. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel like it sets the sets the tone for that that kind of evening. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's I would be happy to to be part of that journey for you. <laughs> I should be happy to see you wronged. <laughs> now being wronged and, and and dealing with the aftermath of that is is not that's selling the album short it's about so many other things and has so much more uh so many more facets so much more depth to it another observation i had uh i was listening to your your uh preceding album gypsy uh that ends with a, a very poignant song called fear uh which i've taken on as a, as a little anthem for myself and the uh, song, for those who aren't familiar, uh, deals with uh, the vagaries of life and uh, always keeping yourself outside your comfort zone and leaning into the unknown and not giving into complacency and always being ready to uh, allow yourself uh, a new adventure and in a new uh, a new setting that you're not you're not comfortable with. And I thought that was. Of course, unknowingly at the time and in, in back in 2019, but perhaps prophetic and as a statement of philosophy, something that you would come to need in the uh, the near future. And I was wondering if you uh, ever made that connection. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, there are a few songs on that album that ended up feeling kind of like prescient to me, like... Um, yeah, I wrote Fear and then we and then you know, we released that album and then a few months later we just had like the most fearful 
time as a civilization <laughs> in, mm-hmm. you know, at least in recent memory. And um, there's also a song called Hard Times where I was pleading with the universe for no more hard times. I don't want to be <laughs> broke no more or sick no more. And the universe then- did not listen. Yeah, so much for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, there were a few few songs on that album that I that I leaned on pretty hard. The, um, you know, with any, anybody that we have on as a guest, we, you know, we do the research and sometimes we're given materials from the publicists as we were this time. And, and, you know, we, we use that to inform our, uh, you know, our take on the music, but Aaron and I like to kind of dig into the music and draw our own conclusions. And, um, we don't disregard the other stuff, but we don't necessarily, we don't want to just use the talking points. Uh, but the story behind this album, um, as described in some of those materials, um, I thought was so interesting, um, in terms of, um, how you came through it and in terms of how it informed the creative process that, um, that I thought that it would, you know, for our, our listeners who of course wouldn't have, have read about it, um, you know, I wondered if you could kind of tell us that story a little bit, take us through that. Yeah, well, let's see. Um, yeah, there's a lot to it. Um, so, as I said, we released that uh, album Gypsy in the end of 2019, and then we all know what happened in early 2020, and everyone's favorite virus took over the planet. And, um, and I guess I never stopped to consider how much my life revolved around people gathering, you know, and uh, being able to come together. And, you know, so when we couldn't do that, it was like, oh, this is, this is a wild experience. I don't know. My, my band. Um, so I, at the time when the pandemic hit, I was married to the drummer. Um, we'd been married for almost 10 years and, um, and, the other two members of the band lived on the other side of the country, one in Boston, one in um, Indiana. And so I was like, well, okay, I can't, I can't play with my band while this is happening. Like not even with like a social distancing thing going on and everything just became so discombobulated. And, you know, my daughter can't go to school. And, and then um, shortly after that, my marriage fell apart. Um, We got divorced in 2021 and then it was like, I really don't know if I still have a band because he, you know, he was a big part of that. We founded the band together in the Boston area. And um, so it was just so much uncertainty and hardship and just, you know, grief. And, and then um, several people really close to me passed away just in rapid succession, unrelated to covid um, so there was just all these layers of grief and, f- and uncertainty and, and fear. And I, you know, I really, uh, I feel like I really was put to the test and, um, um, you know, I'm still kind of trying to put the pieces back together, but, uh, it, it, um, it all is in there. It's all in this new album. Um, and somehow, I mean, there are some bitter songs on the album and there's some heartbreaking moments on the album, but I feel like there's a lot of 
um, I kind of surprised myself when I went to write a lot of these songs. There was a lot of triumph in in them and defiance and strength. And so I, I, I kind of feel like this album, more than any of my others, um, encapsulates, I mean, pretty much the the whole range of human emotions and experience. And just because that's, that's what I was going for, you know, that's what was in the water I was drinking at the time. So yeah, it's when fun. I'm in my car by myself at night in the desert, uh, it's, it's, it's not just uh, remorse and uh, feeling sorry for myself. There's definitely a, a sense of empowerment and triumph that I'm experiencing as well. When I, when I, <laughs> when I listen to that in, in the desert. Yeah. Um, I've always felt that way when I listen to blues music too, like um, songs about, and, and like really uh, like, heartbreaking country songs like a lot of Hank Williams um when when someone hits a a blue note in their in their song there's like to me it's like oh that just breaks my heart but then there's always accompanying that for me anyway is like this sense of um well this person is conquering this experience that they're describing no matter how no matter how bad it is, it's like, well, you're singing about it. So there's a, there's a lot of strength just inherent in that catharsis of, um, yeah, singing about it, talking about it, getting it out there and sharing it with, um, other, other people. Yeah. And finding a way to share something in such a visceral way, not just the information or the facts of what happened, but I'm going to convey to you the emotion that I'm experiencing with, with a note. Yeah, exactly. And to get to that point with this album, with the writing, sounds like there was sort of a, a retreat of, a, a, you know, going into the mountains, kind of walking back from from life and, and trying to find a way to, to reset. Is that is that right? Yeah. Um, when the pandemic hit and my marriage started to um, get rocky, I went to this um, cabin that we had purchased about a year before up in the mountains of Idaho. And that kind of became my home base. Um, and it was, it was a great, it was like just the perfect place really to, um, to have to go through a, a lockdown because there was really <laughs> no one there to, to like quarantine from, you know, pretty socially um, distanced by definition. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. inherently. <laughs> um, and I tend to, when I, when I really want to get writing done, that's what I tend to do anyways, go to the mountains and, um, be by myself away from distractions. So it was, it was kind of like living inside of a writing retreat. I, hmm. I ended up writing way more than I think I ever have in my life. And it wasn't, at first it wasn't, um, it wasn't songs necessarily that I was writing. It was just scraps of, um, I don't know, ideas, thoughts, emotions. And um, it wasn't until later that I realized, oh yeah, these, these could be songs and, and I could have my band back together and we could make another record. And there are still venues out there to play. And, you know, cause for a while there, it was just all kind of uh, up for grabs. Like who knows what the heck's happening? Yeah. What is, uh, what or where, or what is it to you? What, what is Crooked River? Uh, let's see. Well, that's hard to describe. I mean, 
when I when I talk about this song before I play it, I like to keep things pretty literal mm-hmm. <laughs> and not not get too confusing for people in the audience. They're you know just trying to listen to the song for the first time and and on the surface it is an actual river in Idaho and and I did um, literally spend a lot of time there um, during the pandemic when everything was going down and it was a source of solace for me. Um, But I think the reason why I wanted to write about it was just the way those two words sound together, crooked river. It's like, Mm -hmm. to me, it's evocative of um, like the kind of the human struggles, you know, it's, it's the um, it's the opposite of the straight and narrow. It's like it's the way most of us get to where we're going. We do it um, in a kind of crooked way. Like we don't. It's not always a straight, easy path to where it is we think we'd like to go, or you know, where where our souls, if there is such thing as a soul, like if that's what we're yearning for, it tends to be this uh, tends to be a journey of like fits and starts and. Um, sidetracks and distractions and um so yeah i guess for me it's kind of crooked river is that that tension between trying knowing where you want to go and um really having a hard time getting there Sometimes, yeah. Um, I wrote everywhere pretty much, but um, yeah, in the cabin, out in nature, because I did a lot of hiking. Um, it became like a huge uh, source of uh, comfort and relief for me to just. I had this trail book, and there were all these trails that I had never even heard of, even though like I'd grown up in that area, you know, and there's like all these 
mm-hmm. places right nearby. Oh, what's this trailhead? And I just go through the trail book and like check each one off and write little comments. And um, so it became this uh, little obsession of mine to see how many trails I could hike from that trail book. And yeah, I'd bring my notebook along and yeah, I did a lot of writing out there. And um, Crooked River was one of the places I'd, I found out about in the guidebook. And and then I'd drive by the trailhead all the time too on my way to other trailheads. And then I'd say, oh, there's that Crooked River again. Oh, man, I love the way that sounds. And, and <laughs> I love that place. And, so yeah. this this interval of time and this uh, this uh, kind of rejoining with nature uh, w- was also uh, enhanced uh, in a way, and you've uh, made no no secret of that that uh, there was a uh, uh, a psychotropic enhancement that uh, informed some of these uh, uh, creative moments. Could you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, um, I read Michael Pollan's book. Um, when was that? How, how to change your mind? Yeah, exactly. I think I think I read that about a year ago, um, but I I, th- I feel like that kind of just reinforced what I was already sort of discovering for myself, which is that um, psilocybin has some pretty amazing health benefits if you have a brain chemistry like mine, and <laughs> like there, I've just um, I've discovered through the years that there are certain chemicals that really do not do good things for my brain um, that a lot of people swear by. But then there are other things that are just like, um, it's like, where you, where have you been all my life? You know, cause I never really, I never really experimented much with psilocybin as a teenager. And so I'm kind of a late bloomer, I guess. But uh, when all of this was happening, there was a lot of accompanying um, anxiety and depression and, um, and I just, especially when we started touring again, um, it's still, we still weren't fully out of the pandemic shadow. And so there was a lot of, um, a lot of anxiety in that, you know, going on stage with a mask on and thinking like, is this okay? Am I doing the right thing? And yeah. am I making people, am I like, you know, making people sick by doing this? And there's just that additional layer of stress, um, when we first started touring. So I, I, got a prescription for, um, for Zoloft. And it was just so, um, it was so not kind to me. It was just, I tried it. I really gave it a fair shot, uh, several times. Um, and just eventually had to say like, I just think this is not, not for me and, um, tried, uh, microdosing psilocybin. So it's not like, you know, you don't, it's not the kind where you, you know, you trip out every single day or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be fun in its own way, but um, more as like a, as a substitute for uh, pharmaceuticals. And it, it's just amazing how it can, how it can clear my mind out of the, the rut that it sometimes gets in that kind of anxious, perseverating rut. It's like, um, sometimes you just need a little a little help to kind of get out of that. And yeah, psilocybin yeah. has been great for that. And it, it kind of helps with the creative process too, because it instills, at least for me, this like just really subtle sense of wonder, which I think is pretty crucial if you are going to put pen to paper and um, try to be thinking up uh, melodies that, that fit with the words. You know, it's like, it takes this kind of almost an innocence that's really hard to 
to gain if you're trapped in like an anxious, um, constricted mind state, you know. In the Michael Pollan book, he talks a lot about uh, set and setting, which are kind mm -hmm. of considered to be uh, fundamental components of a, of a therapeutic psilocybin experience. Did you find in order to translate that into a, uh, to a creative experience, you also needed to create some kind of structure for yourself while you were, while you were, you were using the microdosing? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, not so much with microdosing, um, I guess, because it's just, it's so subtle that it's almost like the set and setting don't matter as much, but when for I would dosing, yeah, macro dosing for sure. And sometimes, um, like I, I sometimes get a little confused as to how much is micro and <laughs> when am I pushing it over into macro? <laughs> um, so I've, uh, really learned the hard way that, yeah, set and setting, I, um, I ended up taking just a few too many at an airport recently and, um, it was actually in Sydney, Australia. And when, it, when the set and setting are all wrong, it's, um, I become extremely irritable and I <laughs> learned that the hard way. I had no patience for my fellow man. Um, yeah. But yeah, in the right set and setting, it's like, it's this beautiful kind of connective sense of wonder and awe. And are you writing in the, in the midst of this uh, opening up of your association cortex and expansion of perception, or is it kind of an after, after the fact kind of recording of, uh, of words and sentiments it's mostly after the fact i i have been able to write a bit um in the midst of of a journey but it tends to be um like i think it i think it's more profound than <laughs> than it is yeah <laughs> i've definitely had to go back and look at it like oh my god this is amazing oh no it wasn't that was just <laughs> me <laughs> thinking this is great <laughs> yeah yeah it's more i think it's more like um what it does for for my frame of mind and my ability to receive inspiration um kind of mm -hmm. long term than it does for like short term i'm gonna write something great by you know taking a bunch of psilocybin um yeah it's kind of more of like a health benefit therapeutic yeah. technique the the imagery in uh, silver wheels and wings seems like it was created perhaps more proximal to one of these experiences. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, that actually, I don't I don't think I've ever really told anyone this before, but that song is um, to a large extent my attempt at explaining. Um, what happened to me during an acid trip <laughs> recently, um, I had this, this feeling that, um, I mean, it's really hard to explain, but like, and it's, and yet at the same time, it's also kind of cliche, right? Like we, that we're all one and that nothing, that there's really nothing that is, um, holding any one of us back from feeling that except for fear and every fear ultimately is a fear of death, like, or at least a kind of death, like death of social standing or death of, you know, or actual physical death. Um, and so it was just this really profound feeling to me of like, Oh, I get it. It's, I'm just afraid all the time of dying in some way. Mm -hmm. But when that is removed, I can 
I can see that it's just this vast expanse of um, universe and like possibility. And we're all like, you know, we're, it's all one thing without that fear. And um, so, yeah, it was just a really gorgeous experience. And, and I've had flashes of it too during meditation. So um, that's, that's part of it too. Like look at what darkness brings and it's the darkness of, um, you know, closing your eyes to meditate or the darkness of like snuffing out that fear, that fear flame so that there's nothing left, you know, but in that nothingness is, is like this sense of, oh, it, everything we're, yeah. we're all everything. <laughs> it's really, um, really a, cool experience which is one of my favorite revelations from the michael pollan book when he's talking about um using functional mri and people who are using psilocybin and then comparing it to people who are masters of transcendental meditation and it looks very similar mm. uh in a in an objective way and so i think that's really empowering to know that with a temporary you know chemical experience you can actually discover what it's like to have a mastery of your own brain chemistry and get there uh, get there on your own with the right, um, the right type of mindfulness and opening yourself up from your ruminating cage that you're stuck in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really think the two go well together in tandem meditation and psychedelics and uh, mostly meditation, you know, with the occasional assistance, I guess, yeah, from the, from the chemical world. But yeah, it's, um, it's pretty amazing what the the um the harm that the mind can do to to the organism is is like is as astounding to me as like the way that the mind can also just free us that it's all kind of up here in our heads and um for the most part and and our relation our mental like relationship between ourselves and our experience is um is so key yeah and it's exciting to see what uh uh, experimentation with psilocybin can do to talented people with good taste and can, <laughs> can, can, can yield, yield, uh, uh, music like what you've created on this album. Last night, the thief broke in joke was on him He left the moon in this empty room And I've met the friend at journey's end And she is me So is the enemy Moved by invisible strings Clutching at Look at what darkness brings Silver wheels and wings Silver wheels and wings Well, thanks. Yeah, it's... um, And the, la the last song, The Bitter End, um, I was happy that we kind of gave it a little psychedelic treatment there, too, because... I guess that was my way of sort of saying thank you to 
the world of psychedelics for helping me through a really, really tough time. I, um, the, yeah, the, the pharmaceuticals just weren't quite cutting it. And then, and, uh, you know, I, I just, once in a while you need to lean on a little something special when, when there's like, uh, I don't know when the whole world is imploding and your personal life is also imploding. It's, it's like, wow, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? And yeah, really it was for me, it was hiking psychedelics and my close uh, family and friend connections that got me through. And I'd never really put any of those things to the test before. I'd never really um, never really been through anything even remotely comparable. So I was, uh, I was caught unawares and I didn't, I didn't really have very many survival skills, but now I feel like I do. I've, I've, uh, I've come through that whole thing, a more resilient and less brittle person. You mentioned that, that this record encapsulates the full range of emotions and experiences and um, we were noticing, listening through your your uh, entire catalog of albums, that there are lots of examples of different styles. There's there's songs that are old time country. There's songs that that uh, somebody called folk noir. Uh, there's straight up blues. There's rockabilly. This this album seems to have kind of allowed all of those things to coalesce. Aaron and I were talking earlier. He said it's kind of like everything was thrown in the blender and and is a, um, you know, more, f- uh, fully realized fusion of all of the things that had come before. And that sort of maybe, uh, is a musical representation of what you're talking about with the encapsulation of the other things. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, in previous albums, it, it was always fun for me to experiment with different styles. Um, but I did sometimes worry that I was just kind of doing this thing where I was like, and now I will have a country song and now (laughs) the next one will be a blues song. And then this will be my folk song, you know? And then, but with this album, that wasn't ever, that never crossed my mind that that was happening again. And it Mm -hmm. kind of felt like all of those elements were a little bit present, at least in every song. Yeah, I can and hear that. Yeah, that that was a really different um, experience for me. Uh, and and I think more so than ever before, there's a continuity from song to song. Even though each song is unique on this album, they feel like they all belong together in a, in a group. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, like a musical centering. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, thanks. And, that, and that's enhanced by the, uh, the, the production, which I, I think is magnificent on this record. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Will Kimbrough was great to work with. Yeah, I lived in Nashville for 22 years until a few years ago. Aaron was there for a couple of years. Um, and when I first got to town in the like 99, 2000, one of my friends was, was friends with Will. And uh, so I was exposed to his music, his albums early on. And um, was always kind of just an, an admirer and of that kind of jangly, instantly recognizable sound, which is so apparent in this album, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's, um, the more I talk about the album, the more I run into people who, who know Will and are, are friends with him and admire him. And um, it just makes me, yeah, more and more grateful that, that he gave me so much of his time. It's like, oh, he knows everyone. He, <laughs> he does everything. He's like always 
on the road, you know, with Emmy Lou and, and yet he, he was, it was just so cool how he could drop it all and focus on our project for a few days. And he, um, he gave me the run of his, um, his home studio and got to have dinner with him and his wife at their house. And it was just so sweet and exactly what I was needing at the time. You mentioned uh, Emmylou Harris. I think that's that's one of my favorite voices in music, and it's fun to kind of track the evolution of her of her voice over her over her career. But it was interesting for me as well to listen to your voice from you know your first album to, to this album, and it's it's gone through an evolution as well, and uh, evolved and matured and uh, become become something something different. And I I feel it's uh, um, so perfectly suited to the, uh, the subject matter of this album. And I wonder if that was a discussion between you and Will about how to, how to put all the parts of that vocal timbre in there to make it front and center and uh, be the central storyteller. Well, it wasn't so much something that Will and I talked about. Um, my vocals were, were laid down. That was kind of... Um, uh, co-produced by myself and my band, the, the vocal aspect, but it was definitely something that was on my mind when I was writing these songs that, that I was feeling like it was kind of time to sort of stretch out a little bit vocally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've tried, I had tried that on previous albums to, I don't know, I guess kind of sing out more. Um, but I always... I don't know. I guess I always kind of felt like no matter how much I tried to sing in a big way, <laughs> I always ended up sounding kind of sleepy. Um, I think it's just I have kind of naturally sleepy, uh, a, a naturally sleepy voice. I don't know what up with that. <laughs> it just sounds like I'm always kind of uh, a little low energy, even when I'm like giving it my all. But um, I think there was there was something different about this album where. Um, I mean, now when I hear when I hear my vocals back on some of these songs, there's still that kind of characteristic laziness, but there's like, um, I don't know, I guess it kind of does seem like it's um, going places it never really has before. Yeah, maybe that's it, because there, there's definitely a very attractive, world-weary, uh, kind of laconic aspect to your to your voice which uh is is a through point which is uh which i really like but there's some kind of edge or urgency uh on this set of vocals for this album that uh that that does kind of put you on your heels a bit more which which i think really enhances uh some of these tunes yeah an urgency that's a good way to describe it um i guess it did sort of feel like i there was internally an, an urgency to get these get these songs out there um not in not in terms of like a time crunch but more in terms of like um i really feel like i've got something i need to get off my chest now (laughs) really yeah this is the time to say it yeah yeah exactly yeah uh in terms of production you mentioned one of my favorite moments which is the uh, the psychedelic solo in uh in bitter end uh, I thought it was a, and I don't know how intentional this was, but uh, you know the the song has these tropes of you got to break before you bend, 
uh, you have to start at the bitter end. And then the guitar solo is literally backwards. <laughs> oh, wow. I hadn't thought of that. That's... Oh, that was okay. I was wondering if maybe that was an intentional uh, play on that uh, kind of word painting. <laughs> I think it was Jerry Miller's idea to to play it backwards like that. Um, I think I said, I want it to get kind of psychedelic here. And he was like, well, why don't we do this backwards guitar thing? And I was like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it so, starts at the bitter end. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. On every level. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. This is where you have to start. Oh, you crazy, crazy heart. From the ashes, from the dirt. From the for me is uh, the uh, the kind of unhinged guitar solo at the end of Lethal Love. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a really fun song um, to play live because uh, often Jerry will just, he'll take an unhinged thing and then like somehow make it even more unhinged on, <laughs> on live shows. And it's that's been a fun uh, evolution to witness. It's like, oh, wow that already was pretty wild. And then you just, you did that. And that's like, that's amazing what he can do. But, but again, so great because the, the whole vibe of the song is this part of a romantic entanglement, this kind of self-destructive and, you know, just re relentlessly bad decision-making. And like the guitar just like follows that along the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jerry, um, I feel like sometimes when I listen back to recordings of us, it's like, I feel like his guitar echoes my voice in this really cool way. It's mm -hmm. um, like, I'll, I'll say something, I'll say a line, I'll mean it a certain way. And then, and then the guitar will, will respond in, in like the electric guitar version of what I've just said. And I don't know how he does that, but he's, he interprets my stuff so well we don't we never even really talk much about what we're gonna do or i don't think i've ever once had a conversation with jerry about what a song means you know mm -hmm. we just 
we play the song and then we just speak the same language and he just gets it and yeah intuitive. does it yeah super intuitive no one here who runs from here makes it out alive i don't know why anyone would try it's such a songs on the album one's the uh the van morrison's first band them um and uh could you would you uh and the other is uh, breakaway uh which uh, uh the original version was uh, irma thomas which i hadn't listened to in a long time uh and it's it's your treatment of it is such a departure it's almost unrecognizable at first listen mm-hmm. and i'm wondering how you got to that I mean, it sounds like an upbeat doo-wop song that almost makes you feel like the the Happy Days theme. Uh, but treated the way you treat it, it becomes something very different or something that was perhaps a, a cult to me when I listened to the original version. Yeah, that song, um, I mean, you know, I grew up listening to that song. I, I've always gravitated towards um, girl group songs and pretty much all music from the 60s and um, so I've always been familiar with it. And, and then one day I was, I was listening to it or maybe it just somehow popped into my head. And I thought, why is that song always sung so fast? Like I just, I, I'd never really stopped to think about why it's always been given that treatment. And then I thought, well, what if, just what would happen if it were slowed way down and kind of given this like lilt to it like a, a a beat that's like not not so frenetic I guess I mean I love the energy of the original version I don't mean to knock it but I guess I just wanted to experiment with how that would change the tone of it you know well, the original feels great and kind of almost belies the meaning of the lyrics which your version kind of shines a spotlight on in a really interesting way Good. Yeah. That's what I was going for. I, Cause the lyrics are so helpless and sad and, but beautiful. Like they, um, they really, um, deal with like 
this sense of being pretty trapped, you know, and, and like, what, why not kind of lean into the, the heartbreak of that a little bit, mm-hmm. just to switch things up. And so, yeah, leave it to me to make a song more sad. <laughs> Success. Turn up the sad in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get some more sad on that? <laughs> that's, that's good. That's what happens when you grow up listening to the, to the blues, you know, it's like, can we just, can we make, give this more blue notes? It just needs, yeah. That's, more that's tragedy. More, yeah, more, more comfortable there. <laughs> to it and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us awesome yeah thank you it was a real pleasure yeah congratulations on the release and thanks for making the time for us thank you thank you for listening craft brood music both the podcast and the music discovery app has the mission of promoting this music and these artists we can't do that without ears on the music so if you like what you've heard here we're going to ask you two small favors First, tell someone about the podcast. Second, go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Craft Brood Music app, and try a free two-week trial of the curated streaming service. For more information, visit us at craftbroodmusic.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.